Today's New Testament reading is the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 22nd chapter. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and scribes were seeking how to put Jesus to death, for they feared the people. Then Satan entered into Judas, called Iscariot, who was of the number of the twelve. He went away and conferred with the chief priests and officers how he might betray him to them. And they were glad, and agreed to give him money. So he consented and sought an opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of a crowd. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go, and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. They said to him, Where will you have us prepare it? He said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters, and tell the master of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he reclined at table, and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this, and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after the cup, after they had eaten, he said, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be who was going to do this. This is the word of the Lord. For today's meditation on God's Word, we welcome Pastor David Kent from University Chapel Lutheran Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Jesus had caused quite an uproar in the Jewish religion. He was clearly a prophet sent by God, according to Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish Sanhedrin, that ruling religious council of priests and scribes, Sadducees and Pharisees. After all, who but a man from God could perform the kind of miracles that Jesus was performing? But what to do with this prophet? He was upsetting everything, and his teaching had embarrassed the leading Jews of both parties several times, exposing their arrogance and self-righteousness, even likening them to whitewashed tombs, pretty on the outside, but dead on the inside. But he was popular with the people. And acting directly against him might cause the crowds of people gathered to celebrate the great Passover feast to turn against them. And so St. Luke records for us that they were busy plotting against him, trying to figure out some way that they could do away with him without upsetting the people. 
It is then that Judas, now under the direct influence of Satan, comes to them and gives them a perfect plan for having Jesus arrested and killed. They need not do it in public at the feast while he is surrounded by the crowds of people. Now they can go in at night to the place Judas will lead them, where they will find him alone with only his closest followers to hand. So they strike a deal with the traitor. And then Luke tells us they rejoiced, for now at last they could be rid of this troublesome prophet who claimed to be the promised Messiah. While they were plotting his death, Jesus was plotting something else. He was plotting life. His plots began with looking for a place to keep the Passover feast with his disciples. And it is a feast which he is very keen on keeping. And when the place has been found and the meal prepared, Jesus says to them, With fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. A fervent desire for life. And then, acting as master of the feast, he does something strange. He doesn't follow the traditional Passover rite handed down from Moses, at least not all the way through. He does something different. He takes bread, gives thanks, breaks it, and gives it to his disciples, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when they have each eaten, he takes up the cup of wine and says, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. And in doing this, he brings his plots of life to fruition. He, by his divine authority, has replaced the old covenant that bound God's people to him, a covenant of law which none was ever able to keep, a covenant which ultimately condemned rather than saved God's people, with a new covenant, a covenant made and fulfilled in his own flesh and blood, which would shortly be sacrificed for them as the death plots of the Sanhedrin were brought to their completion with him hanging upon a Roman cross. But as I said, while they were plotting death, he was plotting life. It was only through his death that life would come to mankind. For by his innocent and holy death, death itself would lose its power. It would no longer be able to lay claim to mankind. For death comes only where there is sin. And Christ on the cross was atoning for the sins of all. Moreover, in that Passover meal, Jesus was enacting a memorial meal which would bring life to all who would partake of it with faith, a meal of his own body and of his own blood. Year earlier, according to St. John, Jesus had explained the significance of this. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. And again, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. There are still those who plot the death of Christians. We hear on a regular basis now of the martyrdom of our brothers and sisters in Christ and other parts of the world. But it is not only Muslim extremists that plot death. It is also our increasingly hedonistic and godless culture that seeks to draw Christians away from their Lord and into immoral and unfaithful living that plots death. It is your own sinful flesh, too, that plots your death, craving those things that the flesh looks to for the enjoyment and promotion of what it supposes to be really living, but which, because they are contrary to God and his word, can never deliver what they promise, but bring death to us instead. But Christ still plots your life. He alone has overcome death for all people and overcome your sins and your death, and he proffers you now a share in his life calling upon you to believe on him for your salvation 
and to put your trust in his saving work, bringing those who believe from death to life through holy baptism and feeding us with the same fare as he fed his disciples on that Passover so long ago, his holy body and blood for all Christians to eat and drink, we can have life, not just now, but forever. Thanks be to God. Amen. We thank Pastor David Kent from University Chapel Lutheran Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, for today's meditation on God's Word.